Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? And how do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like Hughes vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different hues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What hues are you using today? And which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee, Chief Enrollment Officer at Susquehanna University, and also the Chief Impact Officer for Menifee Duwache Consulting Group. I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership with our guests today. In season one, we'll focus on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it's quite the honor to introduce this next guest to you all. Professionally, you may know him as Edward Pickett III, you have a little bit of a closer relationship with him. You may know him as Eddie. And if you've seen the impact that he's had in higher education, uh, or should I call higher ed professional streets, you know him as EP3. He currently serves as the Senior Associate Dean and Director of Recruitment at Pomona College and simultaneously is serving as a Board Director for the National Association for College Admissions Counseling. So it's my honor and privilege to welcome to the world, Eddie. What's up, man? What's up, man? It's, it's always a joy to have a conversation with you. So I'm looking forward to this. Listen, in preparation for the conversation, you know, I started reflecting not only on what I'm going to share and why I wanted to have you on the show, but but just taking it back to the first time we we connected, which was in at GWI or got in the way to inclusion uh, in Orlando. So I'll leave that part there. But again, for the world, a part of this series or season, uh, this first season of the podcast is to also share why I wanted to have uh, each guest on the show and how they've helped shape my leadership. And, and one of the strengths of many that Eddie has and that I've tried to incorporate into how I lead is for the time that I've met him and in each time I engage Eddie, he's always showed up in the space authentically. He's always showed up in himself and he's never been afraid to be himself. Uh, and again, as I alluded to before, this goes all the way back to the time we had a chance to meet each other. But it's also shown up in the, the various instances where we've had a chance to present with some of our peers in the profession on professional topics, connected with each other on a one on one basis uh, in the moments where we have a chance to check on each other and check on our families. And more recently, the time that we had a chance to share on the board of directors for the National Association of College Admissions Counseling. And so, again, I wanted to make sure the audience knew that that was one of the qualities amongst many that you have, but that's one that you definitely helped me shape over time. So I appreciate you. Well, well thank you for that. Um, yeah, some a couple of funny follow-ups to that. I won't tell too many stories, but I got a couple of quick ones and then a, a, an interesting piece, I think, that, you know, you're saying, like, I'm always my authentic self, which is true, uh, but that comes with some work for sure. So I would say on the on the Guiding the Way to Inclusion Conference in 2014, we had a lot of fun. I'll leave that at that. Uh, but it definitely, like, you at GWI, you always have time to, to converse with people who are doing this DEIJ work and people who care about it and people professionally who you think you can lean on. So for me, like my circle in admissions and college counseling has always been people from GWI or people I worked with when undergrad at Pitzer. So I always thank you for that. DJ has also influenced me in my reading habits. So DJ reads almost a book a week. And so I can't do that per se, but my goal is two to three a month. And I've been doing that. Um, and I remember the exact conversation in San Diego where we were when we first started talking about that as well. Um, and I think on the being your authentic self, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that um, because that is something that I've 
I haven't necessarily struggled with, but it's always like, how much of yourself can you put out there and in what moments and to what extent? Um, so something I'm pretty cognizant of and, you know, my early career, I was always like, mm, people don't need to know about this. They don't need to know about my background. Like why? And the more I've started to tell it, the more the people are coming up to me and saying, like, hey, I appreciate you saying that um, because I too had this experience or even if I didn't have that exact experience, I appreciate that you are trying to say something from a different perspective um, and getting those conversations in the room. Um, and so for me, I think of just being a part of the conversation and being in the room is really important. Um, the, the specific reference that DJ is probably talking about and not always talking about is that um, for me, I grew up between my parents, and my grandparents. Um, my mom was in jail between nine and 23 for a lot of that time, not all of it, but for a lot of it. Um, and I'm first gen from Oakland, California. And so, you know, there's not a lot of people with my background who are in admissions. Um, and particularly in these decision-making seats. And so I want to make sure that somebody who's coming up can always see that, you know, they too can get there no matter what their path is. And I'm not saying that just because I made it that you should make it because, you know, I hate when people are like, oh, I could do it. You so can you. It's like everybody has a different path to it. Um, and and for me, like, even with all that stuff going on, like, we knew that both my parents, my grandparents, and my bigger, larger family, who, you know, with both family and friends, always loved us. And so we came home, no matter what home you're going to, you knew that it was full of love. And so I try to think about my leadership in that space of, like, how do I show people that, you know, there's love here for them and as they move forward? Thank you for sharing that, man. And again, each time I hear your willingness to share that story, it's like... Uh, you you don't necessarily know who's going to listen to this podcast and and how close in proximity they may or may not be to you and your willingness to just share that in space is always a blessing to me and it is something that I think about on a daily basis as I try to incorporate that authentic self in the, in the office uh, but also in other engagements when it comes to organization work uh, and I also appreciate the the reference that you made in regards to the balance right. I can be authentic, but I still need to assess kind of uh, on a regular basis how much of that should I share and, and why is that a value? Why is that important and in what space am I in? And so that is something that I also reflect on. But I think it, I just needed that foundation. Uh, and I would say you were definitely key in me seeing like, wow, like this is somebody that has this amazing story and is willing to share himself uh, and to show up in space as himself. I've struggled with that. How can I start taking pieces of that and start incorporating it over time? Um, and so I definitely, definitely appreciate that. Yeah, not a problem. I mean, just thinking about, you know, and your influence on me as well. It's like, you know, yes, I'm on the board of directors for NACA currently. I'm in my second of three years, but DJ is actually the person who like, was like, hey, Ed, you got to do this. Here's why. Um, and there are some people in my my corner who have always pushed me towards things like that. And I was like, yeah, it sounds okay. I'll try. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, DJ hit me in a place like, here's why. And, and particularly using that story I just told. Uh, but here's why we need your voice here. Um, and he said a couple of things in that conversation that I just, I, I can't let go of. So I, I literally put my name in because DJ was was very, uh, you know, encouraging of me in that space. So I want to thank you for that, for making me be vulnerable, even when I wasn't ready to be vulnerable too. So the only charge I have for you, I'm not going to charge you a Mountain Dew right now. That'll come later. Uh, but the only charge is for you to pay it forward, as I know you will, and identify that next version of leaders to just take the organization and our profession uh, to the next level. We had a chance to have a, a, a conversation to just prepare and think through, hey, what leadership shoes do we want to discuss? Uh, and so I'm excited to unpack these for the audience uh, and so we're going to go ahead and get it started with the first hue. And so the first hue, and I'm going to repeat this one for the audience, is 
if I eat, we all eat. Let me say that one more again, just in case people didn't catch that. If I eat, we all eat. And so I want you, Eddie, I'm going to turn the floor over to you, man, and and, and just share not only what that means uh, to you, but also how that shows up in day-to-day practice. Yeah, so as I was thinking about these three hues, I was just trying to figure out, like, how do I put them into terms um, for other people? And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put them in terms of other people. I'm going to put them in how I will put them. And so this is my life motto. If I eat, we all eat. And it basically boils down to sharing is caring. Um, and, and knowing that sharing is caring, you know, how do we show up for other people? I think for me being the oldest sibling, I'm the oldest of four slash six. I have two step siblings, but they, you know, we grew up in church together. So they were my cousins at first. And then, you know, my dad started dating her mom and they became my sisters when I was 14, 15. I have five younger siblings. And, you know, when you grew up in a house with that many people, uh, you better learn to share quickly because nothing is really your own. Uh, and so, you know, and growing up around the spades table and the dominoes table, you know, it's like, hey, if, if I got five, you got 10, you got 15, let's slap it on and just continue to add to each other. It's trying to fill each other's cups. Uh, and by sharing, you know, something as simple as that, important, but I think in professional settings, it, it really comes down to just sharing knowledge. And so just because you, know, you have knowledge doesn't mean your team has that knowledge. And so how does my team have the same knowledge that I have? Now, there's times and you should and shouldn't do that. And what I mean by that is like, there's sometimes like, it's just too much information for a first year admissions officer. That's fine. But how do you layer on the knowledge to make sure that they're progressing through their career and also developing them as they go? So they might not always see it as development, but some of those conversations you're having is making sure that you're developing them as they go along because everybody needs help. Nobody gets to where they get to without any help. And so I think about this, you know, if I eat, we all eat just knowing it's like, hey, if I got it, you got it. Whether it's knowledge, it's food, it's housing, it's clothing, you name it. Like I've literally given the shirt off my back to somebody because they ripped their shirt in admissions conference. Um, and so at the end of the day, it really just comes down to like, I want to make sure that the people around me are well taken care of um, and they can do my job and beyond my job. And so, you know, if I eat, we all eat, comes down to sharing is caring. So the follow-up I want to engage you with on that is, I would say less about how you show that and how you demonstrate that with the people that you lead. So you gave some great examples and thinking about developing a counselor and how much information is too much along their continuum of growth. Talk to me a little bit about how Eddie reacts or responds to leadership when they provide you that same kind of space, that same type of feeling, that same type of vibe of they're eating and they want to make sure that you eat as well. How do you react to that? How do you respond to that? Yeah, so I I was fortunate in my early career to be under some great leaders, both in undergrad and in grad school, and particularly when I first got to Tufts and just thinking about the admissions office that we had at Tufts, you know, Lee Coffin was there. Karen Richardson was there, Emily Roper-Durton was there, Courtney Minden was there, uh, Denny Paredes was there, Kim Kimball was there. And there are even more people that I can't fully name, but these are people who like I really respected. And I was looking at them to see like, hmm, like what positive attributes did they have that were really impacting me? And how can I pull that into my leadership tree and how I think about this work and particularly professionally, you know, how I can go about moving up, um, lean 
And our first meeting said like, hey, what do you want out of this job? It's like, I don't know. Like, I work for you. Shouldn't you be telling me? He's like, well, I can't know how to help you without you helping yourself. And so understanding what do you need out of this? And I was like, oh, that's a very different way of thinking about this. Um, and then Karen was my direct supervisor. And Karen just was like the, the you thought she was a very mean person at first, but really it's, it's coming from a place of love. Like she expected a lot of you. Once she realized that you could do the job, she was pouring into me left and right. Like the person I probably lean on the most professionally was always Karen Richardson. Um, and she helped so much of developing me. And she saw a lot of the negative, but, you know, continued to look at the positive. And so I think about, you know, the information she was sharing with me and like when, how timely it was and when I needed that information versus when I didn't need the information. So I try to balance that out as much as I possibly can. And I saw that early in my career. And so by seeing that, it's much easier to give that back to somebody else. Understood. Thank you for kind of reflecting on that time and even going deeper into the bag, so to speak, when you think about kind of the journey that you've had in your career and those that have been impactful in your journey. Uh, let's dive into the next hue, right? So the next hue is this kind of uh, another mantra of sorts, and it's not expecting perfection, but expecting greatness. So again, I'm going to turn the keys over to you and ask that you would enlighten our, our audience on what that means for you and how that shows up on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, so I don't think anybody's perfect. I mean, growing up in the church, and I'm not the most religious now, but growing up in the church, in the Christian church, you say that there's one perfect person. Um, that is not me or you. Uh, and so knowing that nobody's going to be perfect, I don't expect you to be perfect. I think you're going to make mistakes, but I don't like to see the same mistakes over and over. I think that's where we got to start to say, like, hey, well, hmm, you know, the first time, that's okay. Let me teach you how to do this because we can't teach you every single thing. I think my job as an, as an admissions officer and as a director is to make sure I give my team the tools to succeed. I can't tell you how you're going to have to use those tools every single time, but my job is to give you the tools to succeed. And so I have really high expectations of myself. Um, and like there's, I can't hold you to the high expectations of myself because like you're not in my brain. You'll never be there. I can't be in your brain either, but I do want you to be great. I want you to say like, Hey, I think we can do X, Y, and Z. Here's how we can do it. Here's how, you know, I can improve this. And once it's done to reflect and say, well, hmm, can I be better? And the answer is always yes. And so I think for me, I'm always working on myself. And so I want my team to be working on themselves. But the greatness that I expect is that, that you will hold yourself to a high standard and not only holding yourself to a high standard, hold the people around you to a high standard. And so like this part kind of gets into this thought that I've, that you and I have talked about a lot, actually. Um, think about what is leadership and, you know, leadership for me is like, it's a three pronged approach. And so it's management, mentorship, and vision. And those three things aren't the same, but when we talk about leadership, you know, oftentimes we go into one of those categories. Sometimes we need to talk about all three because management is getting the job done, is making sure that you can get people to do the job. Mentorship is developing them into the roles that you think they could be getting into and to make sure they're getting you know what they need professionally. And the vision is what leadership often is referred to. And particularly, I know on your end, is strategic vision often because that's what you're really good at. Uh, me and DJ talk about that pretty often, honestly. Um, but that vision piece is how do we lead into the future? And so I know you've presented on this. I, I'm interested to hear like you your thoughts on leadership, you know, mentorship, management, and vision on your end. I do think, for example, within leadership and management, there are some variations. Uh, so, for example, if leadership is seen as vision casting, 
then management is seen as aligning the vision to actually implementation, right? If leadership is keeping the eye on the North Star, the end goal, then management is that ability to actually measure and assess along the journey. So you're not missing out on opportunities to celebrate the small victories. And I would say in a sim, in, a, in the same vein, but maybe a little bit different, you think about how mentorship can play in that space. And so the one thing that I think leadership and mentorship share is, is somebody has to be willing to do it on the other end, right? So you have to have followers and people willing to follow your vision, follow your guidance, follow your direction for you to have a leadership capacity. It's not about title. It's not about responsibility per se, but you've got to be able to get people that want to buy into what you're communicating, articulating and demonstrating, and then they want to follow you. I would say similarly on mentorship, right? Uh, you can want to mentor someone. <laughs> you can want to offer up that that uh, that that time and that space and that energy. But if they are not receptive to it, they're not interested in it, then it, it doesn't really matter. And so it's always interesting, you know, for me, when I think about my my mentor uh, journey and what I mean by that is those that I've sought out as mentors, I've sought them out and I've been very, very intentional uh, and purposeful about, listen, I don't want to waste your time, but these are the things I am seeking from you. I'm ready to be a sponge and go, right? Versus maybe somebody has communicated to me, they want to provide me some guidance and some support. Well, am I receptive to that? Do I feel like, and am I open to learning from them? And if I am, then it's going to work out. If I'm not, then I think again, with mentorship and in leadership, those are the instances where there's got to be that receptivity on the other end. I would agree on that. I think on the mentorship side, it always has to start at the mentee, you know, having a forced mentor, like, no, you can have a person who's supposed to be helping you, but that's just help. That's not a mentor. A mentor is somebody you're actively seeking. So absolutely agreed on that. The the other piece that I, I think through is that I appreciate in the mantra, the reference to high expectations right now. I've also had to think through on my end and through my experiences What's high expectation for DJ may not be the same thing as the people I'm collaborating with or uh, responsible for leading or managing. And so always trying to think through when I use language as X expectations, high expectations, moderate expectations, whatever it is, to try to help them visually understand what that means in space. Right. So that as they are setting their expectations we are understanding of each other of, okay, I understand how they're making their expectations of themselves. Um, and I have a way of assessing that in comparison to how I may uh, assert expectations. And the other piece that I've always thought through is, is as an individual and in trying to communicate to those that I'm blessed to lead is I always see value in setting very high expectations that are achievable and realistic. Um, some will be stretched, right? But I always have felt even if I miss the mark on things that I've set as goals or expectations for myself, that nobody who is responsible for leading me or managing me will ever set goals for me that are higher than the ones that I set for myself. So even if I may miss out on a few of my own, there's a a very, very high chance that I'm still exceeding the expectations that they may have set for me. So we've got uh, one more hue to discuss, and then we've got another piece uh, about potentially either something that you've been uh, exposed to as far as a new leadership hue and or one that you may be continuing to struggle as a, as a leader and in incorporating and building your competency on. But the last hue that we discuss, and I want to make sure we're discussing this and, and unpacking this for the audience, is lifelong learning. Right. And I know we spent a lot of time thinking and talking about this. You shared uh, a reference earlier about us reading or, or doing audio books, and that is part of our lifelong uh, learning journey. But but unpack that a little bit for the audience. 
I know my goal is to learn something new every single day. That is my personal goal. It doesn't have to be this massive, big thing, just some small thing about a person, about a thing, about an issue. Uh, it could be a, you know, an internal or an external thing. It doesn't really matter. But I, I chiefly believe that curiosity is one of the best things that we can ever have. It's one of the reasons why I love working at Pomona College. Like curiosity is something that drives us as a college. It's something that drives us as an admissions office. And so working in this space where you know diversity and curiosity really matter, uh, it brings joy to my heart because I know that those, th those are fundamentals to who I am. And so I think just being a lifelong learner is about you know asking questions. You, know, you have to be able to ask questions because a closed mouth doesn't get fed. If you don't ask the question, you'll never get the answer. And so I, I like to be able to lead and say that, you know, hey, I want you to poke holes at this issue because I never want to be the smartest person in the room. If I'm the smartest person in the room, there's an issue here because nothing is going to really move forward if it's just my vision. And so I try to surround myself with people who also have curiosity, who ask a lot of questions and aren't or, or, and are willing to push me. Because if you're not willing to push your supervisor, your, your you know, your leader, then it's always going to be that person's vision. And, and you hire great people so we can use some of these great ideas. Why not harness those? And so I think being a lifelong learner for me boils down to learning something new every day, whether you know it's through reading. And so I don't, again, I have a monthly reading goal. Um, it's through conversations. It's like you don't really get to know people without actually spending time with them. You know, time is one of the most precious elements we have in this world. Um, and time is also money. And so when it really comes down to it, how do you spend the time with the people who are on your team and in your circle to make sure that you're building that rapport? And it comes down to curiosity of like wanting to actually do that and wanting to ask questions of him, of them, uh, wanting to ask questions of, of the people who are in your office team just in broader senses. And so I think being a lifelong learner just, it really just boils down to like, please have curiosity. Yeah, I, and and as I am pulling the threads, the curiosity definitely stood out, but it was curiosity in terms of developing yourself as a professional. I hear the curiosity in developing strong relationships with the people you work with and you share space with, and also in broad strokes, also being curious to learn so that you can be the best version of yourself to contribute to the whole. I would agree to that. I would also add one small piece is that as... And anytime you have a director or a VP in your title, you have to know that every space isn't yours. And so, yes, I would love to go to lunch with, you know, my staff every day. One, I don't have time to is the reality. But two, like I need to give them space to be able to complain about me, too. Like, you know, you can't show up to every single space just because of your title. And so that curiosity also gets into that space like, hey, yes, I'm curious about it, but I don't need to be there all the time. Like I need to give them their space, too. I think the mantra of lifelong learning also shifts the narrative that I think at times exists when it comes to leadership. I think there's that narrative sometimes that I would see as false that because you've been given a leadership role or responsibility, that that means you're supposed to know everything, uh, right? And I think sometimes the way in which when we are either reporting up to people, we create these expectations that, well, of course, you became a president. You should know all this stuff or others are looking at you in the same way. OK, well, you're a senior associate dean and director of recruitment. You're supposed to know all these things. And I feel like the lifelong mantra, not only in terms of thinking through it and reflecting on it, but also demonstrating it. Uh, my hope is that it demonstrates over time, like 
even when you are granted these opportunities, it doesn't take away from the fact that you're still growing, you're still developing, right? And that you never feel as though you've quite made it yet. Uh, you'll never make it to the quote unquote mountaintop, no different than you reference nobody will ever reach perfection. And so that's the other piece that, that stands out for me a lot. Think of it this way. Once you reach a goal, then what? And so like your goal can be the director, the VP, whatever that title is. Uh, for me, I actually don't have a career goal. My you know career goals are to make an impact where I am, to leave it better than how I found it. There is no title with either of those. It doesn't exist. And that's on purpose because you have to have this, some flexibility of like what's next. And you know, I'm not always thinking about what's next, but you know, a friend of mine always says, like, Ed, you're you're funny. Like, you know, you always say, Well, I'm willing to listen. I was like, Yeah, why wouldn't I be willing to listen? If there's a, a cool opportunity out there, I gotta at least hear them out to see like, is this an opportunity I want to take advantage of? Um, but you know, oftentimes you hear you know leaders who have gotten to their job like, oh, hey, I've made it. Okay, I'm really happy that you've made it, but are you continually, you know, progressing forward? Are you continually growing while you're in that role? Most of the time the answer is yes, but sometimes the answer is no. And so if you've made it, cool, now what? Love it and need to live it and step into it. So we've hit the three hues for our audience. Um, and again, just to kind of do a quick recap for them. If I eat, we all eat. That's one. Number two is not expecting perfection, but expecting <laughs> greatness. Uh, and the third that we just unpacked was the value of life learning. And so the the piece that I want to transition to now is, is as we think through navigating our journeys of leadership, there are also instances where we may be exposed to something new, right? Uh, we may be exposed to this new kind of piece of leadership that we haven't not only thought about, but maybe hasn't shown up in our day-to-day -day, uh, as far as our continuum of strength and leadership. Uh, or there may be a piece uh, which will require us to be be very uh, humble and and to pull down the barrier for our audience is to discuss like, hey, this is an area I've always struggled with and one I don't want to continue to, to work at, but it's always a work in progress. So which one would you want to share for the audience today? I'm going to do the work in progress. I think that's probably the best route for me. And for me, like I'm continually developing myself. Like I'm always working on myself. You know, how can you ask somebody to do something if you're not willing to do that work too? Um, and so I think the, the piece that I would say is just communication. And I know that's a broad topic. And so I'm going to try to break it down in a couple of ways, but communication, you know, isn't what's said is what's heard. I think a lot of people have understood that by now. And so, you know, sometimes you think you're being clear, but you're not always. And, you know, I, I get reminded of this by my wife, you know, my queen at home, um, she, she runs the house, let's be real, just she and I at home. But, you know, she'll say like, Eddie, you're, um, you're not explaining that well to me right now. I'm like, okay, how can I explain it better? And she'll kind of break it down. And I'll see her way. I won't like it in the moment. Let's be real. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not perfect again. Um, you know, being told you're doing something wrong, you're never happy about that. Um, but, you know, just step back and think like, okay, hmm, if I'm not communicating clearly, do I do this in other places? And so when I come to work, I think about that pretty often too, because, you know, there's the way my brain works is like, there are probably five to 10 if then statements happening at all times. Like if this happens and I'll do this, if that happens and I'll do this. And so all those if thens are going, that doesn't mean you're communicating that if then to the next person. And so, you know, in clear communication, it's not what, again, what's happening in your brain, but are you breaking it down for their brain? Um, and, you know, I can't sit in anybody else's brain. And so trying to spend time with them to understand, like, you know, how are they going to digest these things? How do they need information brought to them? One of the great examples that I ask in one of my first meetings with people who report to me is, is there a time of the day you don't want to hear bad news? 
it sounds like a very simple question, but think about it. Like, you know, sometimes it's morning, sometimes it's midday, sometimes at the end of the day. Like, I don't want to go home with that or I don't want to start my day with that. I can respect that. You know, so most of my team told me that they don't want to hear it first thing in the morning. Cool, respect. I'm not pretty in the morning anyway. So like, I'm not trying to deliver bad news at 8.30 when we walk in. But, you know, 9.30, you've had some time to, you know, have your coffee to answer some emails. Now I need to come tell you something and, you know, make sure I say, here's what went wrong. But also, here's what I think you can do better next time. Because if you're just offering what went wrong, you're not actually helping them to see what could be better. And so I think the communication piece is something that um, I, I would honestly say that I struggle with at times. Um because again, it's clear in my brain, but it's not clear for that person. So I'm always working on myself and how can I be a better communicator? Also, how can I be a more concise communicator? As you probably realized by some of my uh, um, antics today, and you know, it goes a little long winded at times. So thinking about communication and reflecting on that, you know, I read a lot about it. I have conversations about that. I ask for feedback as well. So like, I'm going to lunch with, with one on ones with my entire staff in the next two weeks, just to hear some feedback because this is the end of my first year. And so I'm interested to see like, like, what do they have to say about me, what I've done, and like how I can be better too? On that piece, it's also thinking through the action orientation of communication. And sometimes we always focus on the speaking part or what we want to share or what we want to get across, where I think the, the biggest action is the listening part, the, the reference to being heard and, and people feeling heard, but also then in the action orientation to demonstrate that I heard you. Right. And so, hey, I've given you space to share feedback on me as your leader, as your supervisor. Yes, it may not all sound great. Um, and it may be something that I need to take time and step away from the fray to actually just navigate and deal with. But once I've done that, how do I show you that I heard you? How do I show you that I listened to you? Because in doing that, that means they're going to be more receptive to sharing that feedback in the future. And moving forward, it'll even be unprompted uh, because now they see when I share things with you, I know you're listening to me. Yeah. And that's the way that you build trust and respect as well. Um, you know, like you for me, I, I want to give trust early on, uh, but you build respect. Like those are two very different things for me. Um, and so like, I want to make sure that I'm showing my team that I, I'm listening to them. I can implement some of these things, but also like, it's not just my ideas. Like here's my vision for it, but how it gets done is your choice. Like how, you know, how you get from A to B, I don't really care as long as you get to B. <laughs> but also like, you know, in, in hearing the feedback, you know, it's always about listening and just saying like, hmm, did I digest what they're bringing to me? Am I changing my perspectives because of that? And when I do, I want to point it out publicly as well to say like, hey, this is a really good idea by this person um, who brought this to my attention. And I had to think about myself like, actually, yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's run with that one instead of mine. Um, because again, it's not always about me. It's about making sure we're doing the right thing for the kids that we serve. And for me, like, you know, I work on the Pomona College Access Team. I lead that team. We talk about, about access and diversity in admissions. Well, again, it can't just be my ideas. And so I have people on my staff um, who come from very different backgrounds than myself, um, who see it as a different lens. And I always think that's a positive. And so again, like, how do I communicate with them? How do I listen to what they're saying? How do I incorporate their ideas? And then also you got to make sure you give the people the praise. And so communication 
expectations also and giving them the praise publicly <clears throat> and the negative stuff, you handle that behind closed doors. Now, we agree publicly. We disagree privately. I'm a big fan of that statement. Um, but making sure that you give people their public praise because everybody you know wants and deserves their flowers. Sometimes they don't always handle it that well because you don't want to be praised publicly. And I ask them about that as well. Like, hey, you know, does this embarrass you too much? I noticed this. And so if the answer is yes, then I don't do that again. Yeah, and that was the piece, interestingly enough, that you just touched on that was in my mind is providing the praise or extending the flowers, but in the way that they like to receive it, right? Uh, because everybody is not a fan of being recognized in a public forum, but truly making sure that, hey, again, going back to the listening, I heard you in the ways in which you want to be recognized. I'm going to make sure that I recognize you in that way and give you flowers in that way. And I think it goes a long way moving forward with them if it's based on the way in which they want to acknowledge them. So listen, man, we've talked about some key topics today uh, with our guests. And again, I just want to thank you so much for blessing us with your time uh, today and, and sharing not only your lens on the, the three hues, but also in reflecting on one of the areas that is a work in progress for you in terms of communication. It's an honor and a blessing to consider you a friend, a colleague, a mentor. Uh, and I just appreciate the times that we get to come together and break bread and just learn from one each other, from one another and to be there for each other. So, so again, thank you for sharing that time with us on the podcast today. Likewise. And thank you for having me. It was definitely a fun conversation. I always have great conversations with DJ. So thanks, brother. So to our guests, uh, as you transition to work or home from work, as you head into lunch or you're transitioning in between meetings, you know, as you transition into professional development time you have for yourself each day or each week or your transition between the work and the time with your loved ones. Let's reflect and consider incorporating these shoes in our lives and let's reflect on the ones that we are honest about and transparent about that, that we are still trying to navigate, still trying to enhance and still trying to grow within. Thanks for tuning in to the Hughes of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what Hughes will I use today and which ones will I seek to further develop? Thank you.